Well, good morning again. I'd like to invite you at this time to take your copy of God's Word, and if you will turn over to the New Testament, I hope that you are have your ribbon or have something uh, there in your Bible to mark the place in Second Timothy. We will probably be there for a little while. We might go to some Psalms or some other messages in between here or there, one or uh, one or two sprinkled. But I think we're going to spend some time in the book of Second Timothy. So if you will, I'll be making your way there. It is Second Timothy is sandwiched between First Timothy and Titus. And as we continue this study of Second Timothy, I hope that you will see that there is something to be said for taking a book of the Bible and just slowing down slowing down long enough to allow God's Spirit to work through you and to help you to see um, what His Word is saying. There is so much there if we will just slow down and allow His Spirit to speak into ours. And so last week, as you may remember, we talked about that word remind and remember and we talked about how when, when Paul was giving thanks to God, when he was remembering Timothy, that led to thanksgiving. And so this morning as we dive into verse 6, you will again see this word again. And so let's look together. I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 7, and we will look at verse 6 today and, and unpack it and put it back together. And so look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 7. It's, it, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. As we've opened your word, now open our hearts that we may hear from you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so as we begin to look at verse 6 this morning, we see where Paul says, for this reason. Your translation might say, wherefore, or therefore. In essence, Paul is saying, this is why. And so when you see that word, therefore, in the word of God, you have to ask yourself, what is it there for? And so what you should see when you see the word, therefore, is that you should go back and look up at the verses preceding where you are. And so as we've talked about this, we've, we've talked about it as we've unpacked verses 1 through 5, you know, discerning the will of God and that there's a promise of life. We're, we're called to serve, that we're to remember others in our prayers, that, that joy is a non-negotiable in the life of a Christian, that it should be evident, that it should be transparent. Verse 5, we, we talk and spoke of, of that rich faith that dwelt first in his grandmother. Lois and his mother Eunice, and Paul is saying, I'm sure dwells in you. And so now this morning we see that Paul's saying, for this reason, he's talking about all those things he's already talked about. And he's using this word, I want to remind you. And so friends, this morning I want to indeed remind you 
that our key phrase that we see next that he tells Paul that we're that he is that Timothy is to fan into flame the gift of God. He, he's to fan into flame. He, that's basically that we're we're to stir it up. We're we're to rekindle it. We're we're to we're to use it. That's in essence what Timothy is what Paul is trying to instill in Timothy. And I thought this morning, I don't know if we got anybody here that might have ever heard this saying before. Um, Eddie Ski, a gentleman that we knew when we were at Northside, he used to use this phrase, and he would say, well, if that doesn't excite you, your wood's wet. Anybody ever heard that this morning? I see a few nods and a few smiles. According to Hickopedia, y'all might have heard of Wikipedia, there's such a thing as Hickopedia on the Internet, and it used that phrase. But in essence... As we think just for a moment, as he's saying, fan, in, fan into flame. What a beautiful illustration and beautiful imagery that he's giving us. Because for some of you here this morning, let us think of ourselves as wood. Right? If we're going to build a fire, if Bible fellowship is going to indeed become a lighthouse and continue to be a lighthouse of hope for our community, then we have to come together. You don't start a fire with a single piece of wood, or at least it's not going to last long, but you do what? You, you, you stack, you pull together, you pile together other pieces of wood. And so what, what Paul is telling Timothy is, man, fan into flame, put into use, rekindle the gifts of God in your life. And that doesn't, so for some of you here this morning, maybe you're, indeed your wood is wet, right? And, and that doesn't excite you. But that's why we're to come together, we're to lean in close together, we're to rekindle that fire within ourselves, but there's something to be said about community. There's something to be said about leaning in on one another. And so indeed, that is a beautiful picture this morning we see of fan into flame. But we're to fan into flame what Paul says, the gift of God. Now, hold that thought. I want you to just begin to think about the word gift. But I want to go one place else and then come back. So yeah, you're right. My mind is like, dude, just stay on task and go one thing at another. But I, I really want to go, I want to go latter in this verse and then come back to the word gifts. And so we see, as Paul is saying, that we're to fan into flame the gift of God, he's talking to Timothy, which is through the laying on of my hands. As I even wrote this out, I forgot on my hands. And so think about this. Paul is in essence giving us a beautiful picture of what happened with Timothy as we look in 1 Timothy. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we see... Um, we see Timothy's ordination. Give me one second. In, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, 
so that all may see your progress. And so can I just take a quick minute here to tell you about this laying of hands. When elders lay hands on a man, they are not magically investing, in, investing him with powers, nor are they mechanically filling him with the Spirit. But the laying on of hands is a public recognition. It is the church's commission to the work of ministry. So let me just kind of explain to you that of talk about laying of hands, especially when it comes to ministry. First off, before I do that, I just want to remind you too, as I studied, that we are not the apostles, right? We did not personally walk with the risen Savior. But are we still laying hands on people? Yes. But laying of the hands when it comes to ministry is this. Most of the time in ministry, and I can talk from my own personal experience, is that a lot of times what happens is that a church, and today as we're going to talk about gifts, see how this picture see how this all kind of connects and comes together. Typically what happens is, for example, like in my life, I felt called to preach and teach. And so what will typically happen is a church will come alongside of you and they will license you. That is kind of the church giving you their seal of approval to say, hey, we recognize that Chris is indeed called to preach and teach. Then at a certain point, typically when you are called or you receive the first church that you're going to go to, then you are typically ordained. And there's an ordination process. And you go before a council of other godly men, mentors and and deacons and others who are in your life, and you go before them and they basically scrutinize you. They basically ask you all kinds of questions. What do you believe? What is salvation? What is evangelism? What, who is Christ? You know, they basically examine you. And at the end of that, they will typically thumb you up and there is an ordination process. And in that process, for example, in my life, I'll never forget that I sat, and as I sat, men, deacons and other pastors, lined and came and prayed over me, one by one, to pray for my future ministry. Did they give me some kind of special power praying over me? No. But it was a recognition of what God had done in my life and what God was doing. And I I just got to pause there. And if anybody ever gets to that point or if anybody ever sits on an ordination council, the most famous question that they always ask you at the end is this. If we don't thumb you up, if we don't approve you, what are you going to do? And can I remind you this morning that it is not that church and it is not that group of men who have called you to preach. And so, yes, you do want that confirmation of those who love you, but there have been times and most answers of most men who are truly called of God will say, I will preach and teach anyway. But can I tell you, most of the councils that I've sat on, those men have been ordained. There have been men of councils that I have sat on who have fallen, who need the grace of God in their lives. They have fallen and walked away from preaching and teaching the gospel. Something that they said that they love. Pray for those men who walk away from their calling. So the laying on of hands. As I studied, listen, no person can give himself the gift of pastoring God's people. However, he can allow his gifting to languish and atrophy. 
And so thus Paul is saying to Timothy, and he's saying to us that we must fan into flame that which we are gifted. We must do that which we are gifted to do, but can grow stronger in. Friends, each and every one of you has received a gift. If you are a child of God, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you have received a gift. And so I want to take a quick pause and to talk about the difference between gifts, spiritual gifts, and between talents. So a spiritual gift are abilities and powers given to believers by God through the Holy Spirit. Listen, each person has at least one gift and they have the responsibility and accountability for the use of it. You might not think that you have accountability. Maybe you don't have an accountability partner in your life, someone who will speak truth into your life. But friends, can I tell you that you do stand accountable for the gift that God has given you because you will stand accountable to him. Paul tells the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, we see this. Each has his own gift from God, one of a kind and one of another. So we've identified that spiritual gifts are abilities and powers given to believers. Talents, on the other hand, are natural They are inherited abilities, their interest, and they're given at birth a lot of times. Can I remind you this morning that both spiritual gifts and talents originate from God? How do we know that? Because Psalm 139 verse 13 and following tells us, For you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So this morning, God, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you have a gift that he has given you. If you want to study gifts, if you want to study the gifts that the Spirit gives, I encourage you to study um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, Romans chapter 12. Can I also remind you really quickly that as I mentioned 1 Corinthians 13, a lot of people say, oh, that's the love chapter. And it is the love chapter. And we typically hear that preached and taught at a wedding, almost at a funeral. <laughs> and we, all, we oftentimes hear that interwoven in a marriage ceremony. And there is nothing wrong with that. But can I remind you that Paul is setting the stage in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and he's telling them what their gifts are, and he's telling them what the body is, that each one is, has its own part, and each part is unique, and it takes every part working together for the body to be whole. But then in chapter 13, he talks about love. That love chapter is written to the church, friends. It is written to his bride. 
It is written to Bible Fellowship Church. Yes, we apply that when it comes to marriages, but it is first and foremost written to the bride of Christ. It is written to His church that we may use our gifts and that we may love one another. That is who it's written to. He's expounding on what he was talking about in chapter 12. But in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, I just want to read a portion of this. Spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. For you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want, to, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. A lot of times when folks are baptized, people will ask the question, the, the one who is baptizing them, they will ask them, what is your public profession? And they will say what? Jesus is Lord. Here scripture tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the Spirit. And so one born of the Spirit is the one who can say that. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but is the same Lord who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between the spirits, to another the um, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So each and every one of you, if you are a believer in, the Christ, in Christ Jesus, you have been given a gift, and that gift has been given to you by God so that you may make much of Jesus, that you may glorify him, that you may use that gift within the body of Christ and within your circle of influence to glorify God and to be used of God. Why? Because each and every one of us has a different gift. I'll never forget, I got so frustrated with one of the first pastors that I ever served with. And I spent the whole summer just angry with him about something. And I finally mustered up the courage, and I went to him, and I began to share with him what was on my heart and mind and how I was frustrated with him. Sometimes you've got to do that, amen? It's scriptural. You know, we go to the person who we feel like has offended us. That's scriptural. We go that. And so I went to him in private, and I said, listen, I'm frustrated. I, I'm just discouraged because of this. He said, man, I wish you would have come to me three months ago when you first started feeling like this because my gift is not in administration. And so that's I share that with you to say that when you look at another man, when you look at a woman of God, don't fault them for what they don't have. Praise them for what they do and then pray that God will bring someone in their life to, to fill in the voids that they don't have. And you think about you and your spouse. One is stronger in some areas and one is stronger in the others. Where I'm weak, Kendall picks up. And where she's weak, I pick up. Amen? That's what God has intended. So if that's what he intends within marriage, that's what he intends within the church. 
if we realize, if you read in chapter 12, that's where he talks about the different parts of the body and how the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, right? Because all of the parts of the body matter. But listen, in verse 28 and following in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we see this. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show a still more excellent way. Then he dives into the way of love. This morning as we talk about as we talk about gifts, can I just remind you that your faith and your walk with Jesus is a journey? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're called to walk. We're called to obey. And so as I began to think about gifts, and I began to think, okay, how am I going to preach and teach on gifts? What does God want to say to his people about gifts? I thought that, and I had gone through a spiritual gifts workshop. By the show of hands in here this morning, how many of you have ever taken a spiritual gifts survey? One. All right, I would encourage you, maybe that is a next step in your life and journey, is to take a spiritual gift survey. Why? Because what does that do? It helps you to identify what God has uniquely gifted in you. And as I began to look back at that paperwork, I just smiled. Because that was November of 2010. In October of 2010... It was 10-10-10, if I'm not mistaken. I rededicated my life to the Lord. And I wanted to make sure that I had it right, that he was my salvation. He was my... He, that I was truly accepting his gift of eternal life and what his son Jesus had done on the cross for me. That happened in October. In November, I was invited with a group that took part at the Holy Comforter, and it was a spiritual gifts workshop in which I took a spiritual gifts survey. And as I went through that, I I was able to identify at that time that my gifts were leadership, administration, and faith and evangelism. And so what did I do? I just began to take next steps toward Jesus. In 2011 was when I started school. Prior to that, from 2000, when I took the Spiritual Gifts Workshop, it's funny because I wrote in there, we had already kind of started something at Northside. It was called Nuggets of Wisdom, which we were trying to just pull people in on like a Thursday night or something like that. It didn't matter what church you went to to pull people in to just love and encourage them through reading of Scripture, through worshiping through song, and it was about the body. It wasn't about Northside, but it was about loving and encouraging others. And so I want to encourage you to begin to take that next step. And so as we think this morning about gifts, I just want to share with you 
this. A spiritual gift has been defined this way. It is an expression of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers which empower them to serve the body of Christ and the church. And so what are some spiritual gifts? I want to run through this list. And some of these things might stick out. Some of them may not. But what are some spiritual gifts? Leadership, administration, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, discernment, exhortation, intercession, shepherding, faith, evangelism, apostleship, service, helps, mercy, giving, and hospitality. For the sake of time, I just want to touch on a few. The gift of administration is that you're steering others to remain on a task. Now, I'm going to call some names this morning. Come and say, oh, you better not start calling names because somebody's going to get mad because they feel like they got that gift too. Y'all, I'm just telling you who came to mind for me. You might think of somebody else, and that's okay. If you have this gift, that's okay. But as I wrote down names outside of some of these gifts, so steering others to remain on a task. You know who I think of? Terry. Right, every deacon's meeting, there are notes. It's like, what are we going to do about this? How do we do this? What about this? And then she's, you know, she's answering, texting me, um, I need your sermon title. What songs are we singing? Cindy's not here, right? She's keeping us on task. So thank you, Terry, for using your gift of administration to keep us on task. Teaching. Teaching. I think of our ladies' Sunday school class. I think of Miss Hazel, which for years, I think, taught that class. Right now, Miss Jenny, in, in her absence, has, has picked that up and is studying and leading the other women in our church through that. I thought of Sherry as she, you know, studied. Terry would tell me about her coming up here and, and studying and pouring over these books to be able to teach children and teach youth. So thank you, Hazel and Jenny and Sherry, for owning your gift of teaching to instruct the members the truths and the doctrines of God were, God's Word. Why? Because you want to build up, you want to unify, and you want the body to mature. I thought about the gift of discernment. Recognizing the true intentions. And I thought of Jimmy Parker. As Jimmy and I have walked through some various challenges and, and needs that we've had in this church, one thing that I appreciate about Jimmy is he has the gift of discernment. Jimmy sees those red flags and he sees those things. And I'm not going to bore you with the details, plus it's not really appropriate to do that either. But I will tell you there was one time and he said, man, I see this, this, and this. And I was like, okay. So a couple months went by, that, that, and that happened. Right? So Jimmy, God has given Jimmy the gift of discernment, of seeing those things for what they are and their true intentions and being able to speak truth about that. So thank you, Jimmy, for using your gift of discernment. I thought about intercession. That is interceding for others. There's a beautiful story in Scripture. Um, I can't remember exactly where it is right now. But there's a beautiful story about what intercession is. Is There was like a hole in the wall of the city, and the intercessor is the one who fills the gap to pray for other people that they may not be attacked. 
That's what it really means to be an intercessor. And so I texted one of our members and I said, who's a prayer warrior? If I asked you, if I just said, and this is what I said, I said prayer warrior. Don't overthink it. Who's the first person that comes to mind? And they said, Helen Parton. So, Ms. Helen, thank you for being a prayer warrior. And thank you for using that gift of interceding for others and praying for them. For, for me, I thought of Lois Chandler. Lois Cook. Why did I say Lois Chandler? I don't know who that is. Anyway, I don't know. Where, where did, who is Lois Chandler? Somebody else. Anywho. So Lois Cook, thank you. I thought of Miss Lois Cook. Because why? Like because I've heard I've been with her in our midweek service and I've heard her pray and I've heard her heart and I've heard what she's praying for. So thank you, Helen, thank you, Lois, for being intercessors. Faith. The gift of faith. To trust God in the face of apparently insurmountable odds. Can I tell you who came to mind for that? Ms. Betsy. Thank you for having the gift of faith. As you have exchanged with me, just in our short conversations that we have of all you've been through since we've been together, over and over again, you just talk about your faith, about how God has grounded you and rooted you and brought you through so much. So thank you for allowing that gift of faith to flow through you because you have encouraged me. And last but not least, service and helps. They recognize, someone with the gift of service and helps, they recognize practical needs in the body and joyfully give assistance to meeting those needs. Two names came to mind. I think this is the first one that I wrote down, and that was Cindy and Liz. You know, if there is a need... Those two ladies are going to run to it, whether it's a meal that needs to be made or whether it's somebody that needs something physically or somebody that needs, there is a need in their life, they are going to run to that. So Liz and, and Cindy, if you ever listen to this message or if you dialed in this morning, thank you for using your gift of service and help to glorify God. Friends, it is a process. It is a process and we're to find out what our spiritual gifts are. So if maybe you would be interested in taking a spiritual gift survey, there are some that you can take. There's more intensive. This material that I went through actually still exists. So maybe one of these days, and we can get back together, maybe we have a spiritual gifts workshop. Maybe we have a time that we get together and we go through this material so that you can identify who God has gifted you to be. What gift are you not using for his kingdom and for his glory? So as we talk about gifts, as we talk about fanning into flame, I want to ask you this. What are you good at? What are you good at? The three things. That's the first one. What are you good at? What do you love? What do you love? What brings you joy? What are you passionate about? And then third, what do trusted people notice that you're good at and you love? What are you good at? What do you love? And what do trusted people in your life notice that you're good at and that you love? Miss Betsy, I hope you don't mind, but 
I think of her daughter Louise. Miss Bessie told me the story about Louise, and she told me even at a young age that she had a love for music and that she just could recognize just beautiful music and the parts of that, and so she began to, to do that, and that was something that she loved. And Miss Bessie said that she called her one day and said that she was going to begin serving at the French Huguenot, right, church there in Charleston. And so she took that next step into using her gift of music for God's glory. It was something she was good at, something that she loved, and it's something that trusted people in her life recognized that she was good at and that she loved. And so she walked into that. This is a random nugget of wisdom, but listen, what is in the well will come out of the bucket. And I just share that. I wrote it down. I, I feel like it's got to be shared today. As we think about that in our lives, as we think about the gift, as we think about fanning into flame, it's what's in our hearts and it's in our minds. When we're pressed, what comes out? If it's in the well, it's going to come out in the bucket. And so I want you to maybe think about that. That's, a, that's an odd, straight point, but I shared that because it was in my notes. I didn't transition to that very well. I won't transition from it very well. But what's in the well will come out in the bucket. What's on the inside when you're pressed comes out. So as you're thinking about these gifts, as you're thinking about whether or not you're truly living where God needs you to be, think about those things that are maybe suppressing your gift that are holding you back, that you need to identify and ask him to put his finger on for there to be repentance and for you to be able to use your gifting. Listen, as you lead a life, if you, as you lead a spirit-filled life, you will be empowered to continue Jesus' work on earth. And friends, can I remind you this morning that it changes your life and it changes the life of others. Because the gospel came to you because it was headed to somebody else, God saved you to be a conduit, to be a vessel through whom his glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others. When you identify the gift, when you fan it into flame, when you begin to use it, and you find that spot where God has created you to be and to use that gift, it will not only change your life, but it will change the lives of others. So I want to encourage you this morning that your worth isn't in your work. Your value isn't in your vocation. And your calling isn't in your career. You see, friends, we have to discover who God designed us to be. You have to discover who God has designed you to be. And you have to actively go out and be who he has made you to be and allow his gifts to flow through you. You see, friends, God has given you a gift he has given us the gift of salvation. And he's given you a spiritual gift. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not only do you have the gift of salvation, but you have at least one gift. 
an ability that He has uniquely created you to do. I want to encourage you this morning as we close that you use that gift to bring glory and honor to Him and to impact the lives of those He places in your path. Use those gifts to honor and glorify Him. Let your light shine before others that you may glorify your Father in heaven. Figure out who He has uniquely and wonderfully created you to be. Find what that spiritual gift is and live in that. Take ownership of that. Because you know what? Once you know it, then you can begin to specifically pray for it. For me in my life, it was being called out as a leader. And one of the questions I had to ask one time is, who called me a leader? I think of my friend Michelle Logan Owens, the CEO of Prisma Health Timmy Hospital, COO of Prisma Health Timmy Hospital. She called me out as a leader. But not only did she call me out as a leader, she invested in my leadership. She invested in my life. And I'm thankful for that. So what is your gift? What are you good at? What do you love? What do others say that you're good at and that you love? Find that. Use it to glorify God. Use it to impact others for His glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You. Lord, for this beautiful passage this morning where Paul is encouraging us to fan into flame. He's encouraging us to stir up that gift that You have placed inside of us. To rekindle that fire that might have died out. God, because You have wonderfully and uniquely created each and every one of us. God, help us to realize that uniqueness. Help us to realize the gifts that Your Spirit has given us. Lord, that there may be harmony between our gifts and our talents, that we may be Your hands and Your feet, that we may be vessels of hope and encouragement and truth in a world that is dark and dying. Or we might cry out to you, Lord, why don't you do something? And Lord, I remember that song so much that says, I did. I created you. Find your gift and use it for his glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.